face A barren waste Without a taste of water On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. So not only do we have great tasting tap water in Victoria, we hold an annual competition to celebrate the best tasting water. This year, believe it or not, the Victorian desalination plant took out the title of best tasting water. It beat Falls Creek, Alpine Resort and Northeast Water, which is Benalla. So given how great our water tastes and how freely available it is, why do we continue to buy bottled water? Nick Healy, are we just a bunch of suckers or do we need to buy bottled water? Now, I don't know about you, but I think back to that scene, that cult classic in the 90s, Reality Bites, where they absolutely start to wet themselves laughing when they realise that Evian is naive spelt backwards. Is that I remember, us? I remember being in the cinema watching that and, and, and in that period of the early 90s, even though bottled water had been around for a while, finding it ridiculous that anyone would buy it. Like, I, I, it's been interesting over the decades the way we have changed our perception of that because it used to be bizarre. It was it came from a tap. Why were you spending yeah. money on it? I know. I distinctly remember the first time my dad coming out of a servo. <laughs> I was sitting in the car. Dad went in, paid for the petrol, came out with a bottle of Fanta for me because that's all I drank as a kid growing up. There was no water that you would buy from the servo. And my dad laughing and saying, Rishi, you won't believe <laughs> what I just saw. Someone's going to pay it back then. It would have been, you know, a dollar twenty-five or something, yeah, 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 for bottled water. But in Victoria, there are places, admittedly, Nick, where you do need bottled water. Of course, overseas, there are some places where you can't drink the the local water. Even some places in Australia where you can't drink the water, but not so much here in Victoria. Not so much here in Victoria. I lived in a town in WA where the first thing I was told when I was arrived was don't drink the tap water. You had to filter it or you had to boil it. It was too much calcium in there. And look, with a great deal of respect, there are a lot of communities in Australia that do have major problems with their drinking water. But as you point out, in Victoria, we've got great tap water like genuinely good tap water. There'll always be a boil water alert here and there, especially around flood Mm. times. But for the most part, we don't need to. We've been sold on this idea that it is somehow more convenient to just grab a bottle of water and your way out of the shops. And I don't, you know, yes, we recycle, obviously, and a great deal is made about, you know, recycled materials going into that water bottles. But as we're going to talk about today, there's a huge impact from our decision to do that. A huge one. And we're starting to see a shift back to tap water and celebrating Mm. the drinking fountain, the bubbler, you know, that we all had at school. We'd have a huge row of drink fountains. For whatever reason, we had boys drinking fountains and girls drink fountains. But I don't even think we needed to worry about taking a bottle of water to school when we had drink bottles. But drink fountains were what you had. And then, for whatever reason, a lot of councils removed public drink fountains. We're now starting to see not only councils reinstate them, but we're seeing things like festivals and large events like the Australian Open uh, promote not having to buy water, but to have water there and freely available. So, is this something that's going to make 
significant change. But that's what we'll look into today, Nick. Where is the water coming from? How much and why are we buying and still buying bottled water? Is it something that you do and do you even know why you do it? And maybe you'd like to see easier access to things like drink fountains. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host today, Nick Healy, joining you from ABC Shepparton. And we're talking about why we still buy bottled water when we have some of the best tasting water going around. Nick, does the water taste different when you move to Shep, though? Water can taste different. We know that. Well, look, it definitely can because the town I'd come from beforehand had uh, only just got around to admitting that the fluoridisation process had broken several years ago and they'd never told anyone in town that there was no fluoride going into their water and they were working on it. So, yes, I did notice a fairly distinct change in taste when I got to Shepparton. But the water here has been fabulous. And yet, much as I say... I try not to buy bottled water. I don't like bottled water. I don't understand why we're so committed to it. I'll freely admit there's at least two bottles probably rolling around in my car that are half full from when I've grabbed some at a servo, filling up on a road trip. Like, it's just, it's there. It's there. This text, when I see people at the supermarket with their trolleys filled with bottled water, I just want to scream. Others saying Port Ferry has undrinkable water. And others saying accolades to Melbourne City Council for their drinking fountains. Diane's in Preston. Good morning, Diane. Um, I was just calling that... um Hopefully Melbourne won't have the same problem that Pawnee uh, in Indiana in had <laughs> with their drinking fountains. I'm trying to remember that episode, Diane. What happened? Oh, the, the problem was the way people uh, used the bubblers. That was a whole mouth approach to <laughs> the bubbler. So it I became d- a health issue. I do remember that. And look, you know, the, I, I, my understanding is that when councils did start on a serious level taking a lot of um, uh, those bubblers out, it was a public health issue. There were some concerns around that. It's funny to think back to the schoolyard, though, because he always knew that kid who'd put their mouth on the bubbler and he'd say, don't do that. And then you'd uh, obviously sanitise it by wiping it off with your jumper sleeve and everything was fine after that. But that's why you had the boys' bubblers and the girls' <laughs> bubblers, because you didn't want to get boy germs. Because you couldn't trust boys to use a bubbler properly. That's probably accurate. Diane, thank you very much for calling in. That's Diane in Preston. Uh, Look, the public health thing is an aspect of it, Rochelle. I think we do have to kind of consider that element Mm. to it. Um, And look, obviously, um, I think around COVID, we got a lot more sensibilities around what some of these spaces can be. You were mentioning before uh, that, you know, we're seeing councils bring back those drinking fountains. I do note they are being brought back in a very much see our commitment to sustainability yeah. way, not just here's a water fountain, but it is done as a bit of a um, uh, check out what we're doing way. And there's certainly not as many. They're big stations in the middle of malls or, as you said, uh, big events. I'd like to see more of them. This my adult Chinese students refuse to drink tap water. They don't believe it's drinkable. We need an advertising campaign and education as well for those who move new, newly moved to our country. And others saying tap water's not that great compared to fresh rainwater collected in your own tank. And Craig asking, why does it cost more than petrol? Why does water cost more than petrol? This text as well, it says bottled water and plastic is really bad for the environment. Mm. Who knows how much of that plastic migrates into the water? We consume enough plastic through our various means and we'll be speaking to a recycling expert a little later. But Dr. Erin O'Donnell is a water law and policy specialist. She's from the University of Melbourne. Erin, plenty of 
questions and calls and texts on this already. Within your lifetime, can you remember when we started to buy bottled water as opposed to turning on a tap? Oh, look, I think like everyone else, um, you know, we remember it as being back in the sort of late 80s, early 90s when that really big shift started to happen. And I personally trace it to the shift where we had a lot of public um, advertising around the health of soft drinks. So suddenly people were being reminded that actually maybe, as you were talking about before, drinking Fanta all the time might not be the best choice. So if we need to hydrate, maybe we need to be reaching for something else. And Coca-Cola Amatil jumped on that and were like, well, we can provide you with bottled water that's just as easy and convenient and profit-making as providing you with soft drink. It was really interesting to see that, Erin, where we the same company selling us two different products that were almost yeah. at each other's throats and at the same time that same company's making all the money out of it. But you're right, there was, it was sold very much as a convenience, you know, the same as you might go and grab a bottle of soft drink and have a walk with it. We'll now do the same thing, just do it with uh, water and it'll be great for you. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's both convenience, um, but it's also very clever marketing. So we, we didn't really need the convenience of being able to grab water because it was all around us. You turn on the tap, it's right there. Um, and of course, back in the 80s and 90s, most councils were still providing public drinking fountains at a relatively accessible way. But what happened to make it more convenient is that as more people started to buy bottled water, there becomes less of an incentive, less of a reason for councils to maintain those public drinking fountains. And so then you do have those public health issues. So what we know around the world is that as people increase their use and consumption of bottled water, we see a corresponding decrease in government investment in the provision of safe drinking water. So it's almost like by bringing the product to market, you create a market for the product. (laughs) Exactly right. And I think understanding that kind of circular relationship Mm -hmm. is really important to understanding why it is now so convenient for people to go and grab a bottle of water from a 7-Eleven or a Servo because we've actually lost a lot of those public drinking water services. Although again, I note that they're coming back in a really big way. So if you jump on the Sydney Water website, you can see there's like an interactive map that shows you where public drinking fountains can be found in the city of Sydney. And city of Melbourne now has the same one as well. So we've got lots of really fantastic drinking fountains throughout the city now. So we're starting to change that convenience argument back again. There's a text here from Mark in Mentone that says bottled water is just like Diet Coke. It's trendy during COVID and we were walking at our local cemetery and I noticed not only are there no drinking fountains or bird baths for the birds, we wondered why not. The birds need water, especially in summer as well, and we need water too. This, it says, Rish and Nick, I own a family grocer and we have never sold bottled water in our 13-year <laughs> history. We used to have... Uh, an urn with unfiltered tap water with cups that people could fill for free, but we got rid of that because no one used it and it took up space. If times are changing, we'll bring it back. That's from Caroline in Malvern East. Erin, do you think people want transparent information if they are choosing to buy bottled water? We see a lot of greenwashing that happens in our lives, especially when it comes to products that we buy, whether it be washing detergent or clothes, you name it. And the names of things like water are very connected to nature and you know there's lots of spring and nature and spas and and all sorts of things and images that are used do you think there's enough transparency on where the water is coming from 
Look, there absolutely isn't. Um, I think spring water is a great example. The spring water, um, when we say that term, we think about a beautiful fresh spring bubbling up perhaps in an untouched forest where this crystal clear water is just flowing out of the ground over, you know, maybe some rocks and some moss. Um, and what actually happens and what, what spring water means is that water companies are sinking um, reasonably large bores into the ground. So they might go down 10, 20 or 100 metres and extracting the water from subterranean water sources. So it might be a, a source of quite pure water, but the extraction of it is quite damaging to the environment around it. Um, it's also something that can be water mining. So a lot of these groundwater sources may not be being replenished. So mm. you're actually extracting something that's a non-renewable resource, um, all for the purposes of providing us with a service that actually we can have for a vastly reduced cost just by turning on the tap. I love it. It's bore water when it's on a farm. It's spring water if you're paying money yep. for it in a bottle. You mentioned turning on the tap, and obviously people will get in touch and say that they have poor water quality in their part of the world as a set of lived in places that haven't had yep. great water quality. But it just seems like a bit of a default. I mean, humans need water to live. You know, we should be able to turn on the tap and drink exactly what comes out. And in fact, there is an internationally recognised human right to water. So... Australia is obliged to provide safe, accessible drinking water to everyone. So water authorities that are not providing that are actually falling down on the job. And instead of, I think, okay, yeah, individuals are making the safest choices for themselves, and there are plenty of places in Australia, often in regional and rural locations, often in towns that have a high Indigenous population where the water is simply not safe to drink. It's less of a problem in Victoria, although we do have places in the state where it's less palatable, right? It's less yeah. enjoyable to drink the water. But it's actually the job of government to provide us with safe, affordable drinking water. Um, and so I think, you know, maybe instead of reaching for the bottled water, let's send let's send a message to our ministers and say, we need you to provide better water quality for us to drink because at the moment it's not safe or it's not palatable or my kids won't drink it, but it's actually the responsibility of government. I know when you talk about just how political water is and always has mm. been, it's so frustrating and it's frustrating for a lot of the texters that are coming through. Erin, it's been wonderful to get your insights on this. We thank you. Dr Erin O'Donnell, who's a water law and policy specialist at the University of Melbourne. Lots of different places dotted all around Victoria, Nick, that are coming in saying, yeah, but our water doesn't really taste that great here, especially people that are in Hepburn and Dalesford in so-called spa country. <laughs> the water doesn't taste that great there. This is says Rish and Nick Clay here from Clayton funnily enough the first bottled water that came to Australia was Evian and it always struck me that Evian was naive spelt backwards as we were just alluding to with reality bites maybe the French were just laughing at us and others saying I'm a big fan of our tap water in Melbourne Warnable water was better I drink it all the time including refilling those plastic water bottles that I've been purchased when I've been left no choice but I enjoyed growing up drinking from drink fountains I can't help but think that maybe they need to come back but another from Jason, who says, as someone who wor works in the water industry, there is still so Ooh. much to be done to enhance the safe and healthy aspects of tap drinking water. There are health studies as well that have demonstrated that bot uh, bottled water is actually more detrimental than tap water. And Nick, what's interesting is that there's quite a few people saying, look, I can't afford a plumber to come around and fix some of our uh, pipes. The water is either not safe to drink or tastes terrible. So I'm having to buy those huge, you know, 10 litre drums of water. And we're just so used to doing that, that that's actually how we just get our water now.
It's a really good point. Not everyone has access to that rainwater we were talking about. It's been, I don't know, interesting to see those aspects of it because I know it is tough. And look, you know, there'll be a lot of people who are literally drinking bore water, as we were discussing before, water that has to be boiled. We do get that. But, you know, for a large slab of Victoria, it is a great state for the fact that we can, for the most part, turn on a tap and drink what's in there. My local pub in Essendon stopped providing tap water around 20 years ago for safety reasons and has sold water at the same price as beer. I haven't been back since. Andrea's in Horsham. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. Thank you for for having me on. We're turning on the taps at Maydale Reserve at the Horsham Showgrounds for our events. Um, And we're doing this through signage. So, I've recently attended a sustainability, uh, tourist sustainability forum, and it's really opened my eyes about how simple it can be uh, through events by simply turning on the taps, um, educating the community. Our indoor events will be looking at, um, you know, just give, you've got to give away water. It's got to be free. Um, and so for our, in our bar, for example, yeah, there will be a jug or an urn of cold water uh, for our patrons. I think that's really important, Andrea. And I've seen, uh, you know, some music festivals I've gone to myself, big water stations encouraging you, bring your own bottle, you know, no bottled water on sale or very limited. I think that's great, you know, because at the end of the day, it helps with events like yours. There's less waste to clean up, but it's great for the attendees. It feels like a win-win to me. Well, everybody tends to take their water bottles with them these days. You know, everyone's got one in their bag. So why not refill it at the venue rather than buy... A plastic bottle of water, and we know where the you know where that plastic ends up. So, um, you know, our next step in this sustainability program is to you know find funding for rainwater tanks because we've got lots of sheds here that can catch lots of water. What a great idea, Andrea! I love it. And this says if you're at a service station, you fill your bottle up at the tap. It's drinking water. But I don't know. I mean, I guess you do have access, don't you, to to some taps at the servo? But imagine how huge it would be that if at your local service station. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, there was free access to water. I mean, they probably make no money. I mean, well, that, I, I think that maybe you might have just stumbled onto the secret of why there isn't here. I think we may have <laughs> Nick Healy. So, do you buy bottled water, and why is it more convenient? Do you think it's healthier, or maybe where you live, you feel like the water isn't tasty or isn't safe to drink? Keep your body at its peak. Drink Avion. Avion, with its unique balance of minerals, pure Avion spring water from the French house. Oh, it takes you back. And if Ooh. only you could see the visuals of that ad, Nikhili. Think I feel Jane like I need Fonda. a cold shower after that ad. Wow. What was, what was the grunting? What were those noises? You should see the ad. There is no way it would pass the pub test now. It was lots of sweaty men and women working out and just close-ups of things that you didn't need close-ups of. And short of pouring the bottle of water over your face at the end, it was like... A send up, but that's how we were marketed bottled water in the 80s, you know, direct from the French Alps. You're going to be fit and you're going to be sexy and it's all going to be amazing. Dee Madigan is an award-winning creative and advertising director and, of course, you would know her from many uh, ABC programs, including Gruen. Dee, have we, are we just suckers? Have we just been marketed water really, really well? 
Oh, 100%. Like, you know, the fact is most of the water we buy is no worse or better than our taps. Evian, though, is probably the exception in that it did start as a sort of a health benefit water. Mm. And, and, and it was back in the days, you know, when people would go to the mountains to, you know, have the water there. Um, and there was, uh, you know, people who travelled to Lourdes brought back little bottles of religious water which was supposed to heal you. So so there was kind of with Evian a sort of more of a history where it was, you know, supposed to be actually healthy, whereas I think most people accept most of the water in bottles is really no different from the tap and the fact that we pay for it is kind of extraordinary. See, it feels like that particular industry is just struggling to keep on top of the latest trends as well and, and make us excited for the next type of bottled water. I remember years ago there was a TV show called Posh Nosh which made fun of sparkling water by saying if you don't want still or sparkling, have sparkling. And then a couple of years after that there was lightly sparkling water. Like, they, like it's just you can't parody where we are with this industry. Well, it's such um, a parity market. Like, the difference between most of the waters is completely non-existent. So they do, yeah, they'll add a squeeze of lime. Like, they're desperately trying to separate themselves um, from their competitors. But but what's weird is really it should have been a choice between tap water and bottled water, but instead they've managed to make it a choice between other drinks and bottled water, which was very clever because it's hard to argue that, you know, you're better than something free, whereas it's easy to say you're better than, you know, a soft drink. It's funny that, and to use a quite an outdated term, but I was reading pieces around when this first started and when we first started to buy bottled water, they're like, who, you know, we had this saying of sell ice to the Eskimos, you know, and the fact that we would, in Victoria, buy bottled water at the time seemed ridiculous but it hasn't gone away if anything it's actually become a a bigger industry we also know that it's become a a, a huge problem for recycling which we'll get into a little later but d what's interesting is when you look at the marketing around bottled water even owning and finding solutions to the problem that they're creating has become a part of the marketing so the recycling is built into the marketing of bottled water it is because they know people, you know, who are choosing it think that they're making not just a healthier choice, but, you know, that somehow it's environmentally friendly. But I think what people need to remember is regardless of whether the bottle is recyclable or not, just producing it and transporting it mm. comes at a, a massive environmental cost. So you think Fiji, for example, is what, 1,600 kilometres from, from, you know, from continents where their market is. So, so just the transport alone has massive um massive um, implications as well. But I do think that back when we started drinking bottled water was at the time where we knew water was a healthier option. But when you were out and about, there wasn't an option to drink free water. Like the only bubblers really existed in school playgrounds and that, and that has changed significantly. So what I'm hoping is that, yeah, that people start refilling you know, in I, I know in my local park, there's a, a bottle refilling thing you can use. But I guess it just also means you've got to carry your bottle with you. So yeah. I'm hoping that they make ones that are sort of a part of your handbag or something. <laughs> 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 kind of like a, a goon bag transporter, but for just running around. Dee, just really quickly, Australia is the second biggest consumer of bottled water in the world. Like we go gaga for it. Is there just something in our makeup that make us easy to sell it to? I think it might also have to do with our climate. You know, we're also one of the hottest places. So, um, yeah. and, and I think, 
and but it's you know Australian it's ingrained into us just how important it is to rehydrate um so I think that is definitely part of it but we've always been weirdly good early adopters on things good and bad I guess look at our mobile phone usage compared to the rest of the world we were one of the first to pick that up as well but um, um the other thing as well is, is we've had governments that did things like took <laughs> like in Sydney where I live at the moment um Everyone used to have rainwater tanks in their backyard and then the government was like, nope, everyone has to hook to town water. So, And now it's the opposite. And I know that in Melbourne, when you build new houses, rainwater tanks are part of it. So we've sort of had governments that took away our access to easy water and um, now they're all spending a lot of money putting them everywhere. Every park now has bubblers, which is great and hopefully that will change things. Good on you, Dee. Great to hear from you. Thank you. Dee Madigan, award-winning creative director and advertising director. This grew up with rain and tank water. It was my job as a small child to clean the empty tank in summer. The leaves, the slime, the frogs were not a problem, <laughs> but the dead animals were. And this I did, uh, I remember doing a science unit at uni years ago and we did tests putting tap water and bottled water onto the plates to see which one was cleaner. The amount of bacteria grown from bottled water was astonishing, whereas tap water had consistently little to no growth. We learnt that the bottled water industry doesn't have the regulations to tap water and can just pump it in from the ground to the bottle and sell it with little or no testing or treatment. Not sure if that's still the case. Well, Matt, there has been changes, and we'll speak to the Beverage Council as well. There are... uh, there wasn't a lot of regulation, but that has certainly been tightened up over the years. Let's have a chat to Clive, who's in Pakenham. Morning, Clive. Oh, yes, good morning. Um, I, I sort of get... I really get annoyed about this people buying bottled water in the supermarket too, because now I, I wasn't really sure, but I got the impression a lot of bottled water was just Melbourne Metropolitan Water parts from a filter. And I'm just thinking, you know, that it's supposedly... Um, friends that would have a filter on the tap because the water oh, I've seen a lot of it built in and you know it's a it's well I mean I don't think you need to be an electrical engineer like Clive to do it it probably makes it a bunch easier but there are many ways if your tap water does have that slightly unpleasant taste to actually change it as it's coming out of the tap um, especially in new build houses as well which we were just talking about before there are so many drinking fountains around Geelong they've reopened after COVID with bottle oh. filling stations all along the waterfront and all along the Barwon River as well as the park and other public areas it's most important as they incorporate a drinking bowl for dogs too, says Greg in Geelong. So do you buy bottled water and why is it? Is it convenient? Do you feel like it's better for you? Maybe you'd like to see easier access to things like drinking fountains where you live. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Michelle Hunt here with you and Melbourne. Nick Healy joining you from ABC Shepparton. Are we seeing a shift back 
to the tap, so to speak, mm. Nick, back to drinking fountains, to bringing our own water, or is buying bottled water just ingrained in what we do? And what are the what are the ramifications of that? It's sort of just becoming a normality in our lives now when at first we were like, this is crazy. It's funny, we talked about how uh, bottled water began as a bit of a health thing. You know, it's, it's Evian, it's, it's got minerals, it's got what you need to stay fit. Although I'm laughing at Melissa's text saying, wasn't it uh, all a bit of a je ne sais quoi? It was French, so it was chic, so we loved it. There was a little bit of that as well, Melissa. But now when we talk fitness, it's about level of water consumption. People could go on about how many litres you have to drink a day. You would have seen them, Rochelle, those giant water bottles that look like something that should be delivered to <laughs> your home for like you know uh, consumption that's, that's so big and people take up wander a around with them. on the train oh it's crazy and there, there's like affirmations down the side you know because you're trying to drink three liters and it's like you're nearly there so it's not about where that water came from i'm sure people are filling that up with tap water but it's about the amount of water you're drinking before we have a chat to the beverage council of australia Bo miles is a youtuber and a filmmaker and one of your most recent films that you made Nick, uh, sorry, Bo was looking at the state of our rivers and one of the most confronting images was you trying to kayak through what is pretty much just a sea of plastic bottles and plastic water bottles. I mean, what did you witness? What did you see when it came to water bottles in particular in your toco? Yeah, I suppose and it was a mix of everything, Shell. It was, uh, I mean, every bottle you can imagine you can buy this, you know, the convenience store is in the, is in the drink. Um, and, in fact, that's the fascinating thing. I've been listening to you folks for the last uh, half an hour and, and I totally get it. I'm a dude that goes along the side of the road thinking what's come over humanity when we buy all this stuff and then turf it out the window. Um, I suppose my big bugbear is that... Um, I'm not sure water's any worse than a iced coffee or a, an apple juice or anything else. You know, we're kind of demonising water because it's our foundation liquid that we need to survive on. But really, I suppose it's just we just keep buying stuff out of a out of convenience, you know, and all of these drinks. And, and so water's only probably, what, 10% of what you buy at a service station. And so it's really about just the convenience of buying something that titillates us and whatever, yeah. whatever, because we can get water so readily everywhere else. It does intrigue me, Bo, though, you know, for an industry that often highlights its environmental aspect, saying, you know, we're made from recycled plastic, we're easy to recycle – just, you know, I do Clean Up Australia Day and the amount of water bottles that are part of that rubbish is remarkable to me. Like it is, you know, not the only contributor, but a massive contributor to that waste. It's kind of, it's bonkers. It is totally bonkers. Yeah, I, I agree. I live with one of my best mates is Italian and he's that classic Italian heritage where, you know, you pass something that the Italians designed 2,000 years ago and you point it out to you. And <laughs> he, he, he's, he's just, he's revolted by the idea that we buy bottled water simply because we have such a, such a fundamental tap pressurised system, you know, even though it's got fluoride and chlorine in it with a lot of people don't like, but he just says, you know, what are, we, what are we doing? You're just throwing your money down the tap, yeah. Yeah, lots of people have been actually talking about the amount of beautiful and access to drinking fountains in Italy as well, so no doubt Bo, he'll probably boast about that a little bit as well. Bo, thank you. Jeff Parker is the CEO of the Australian Beverages Council, and Jeff, you've been listening to this program as well. I mean, you probably agree with what Bo just said then. It's probably not so much uh, our consumption of bottled water that maybe is causing environmental impacts. It's just our consumption of things and bottles in general. How much 
pressure are you getting from the Beverage Council? How much time and research goes into ensuring that the water that you're bottling, selling and promoting is doing all of the right things? Yeah, good morning, Rochelle. Thanks very much for the opportunity to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, look, uh, the Beverages Council um, puts a lot of time uh, and effort into ensuring that um, bottled water is not only, and indeed the packaging is not only uh, 100% recyclable, um, but is able to be recycled around Australia. Um, and also too that the water within uh, the, the packaging is um, sustainable. Uh, and that's incredibly important for the water bottlers. Um, looking after precious you know, groundwater resources uh, is incredibly important. Uh, we have a model code that you know, lists a number of um, sustainability provisions within that code to ensure that where water, bottled water companies are um, uh, extracting water from groundwater sources, that that, that that water source is sustainable over the longer term because that's, that's in everyone's best interest. Agree with you know, a lot of the comments um, uh, as part of this conversation. We're very lucky in Australia that we've got ac- most parts of Australia that has access to really great, uh. great quality tap water. Uh, and that's, uh, and, and, and we're, we're, we're very fortunate here in Australia, but people don't, um, I challenge the proposition that it's, you know, tap versus bottle. I think people are buying bottled water because it's convenient. We've been um, hearing, a, hearing a lot of your, you know, uh, your listeners sort of, you know, contributing to the program, but it is about convenience. It's about taste uh, and it's about quality. And, and from a, I guess from a public health perspective, uh, and the nation's collective expanding waistline, uh, we should all be drinking more water, whether that's from a bottle, whether that's from a tap or whether that's from a bubbler. Jeff, you talked about the code. How is that enforced? Is that sort of a, a gentleman's agreement or are there actual regulations? You know, what happens to someone if they're not adhering to that code? Yeah, Nick, so the code actually goes over and above the minimum requirements um, uh, per um, having basically a, you know, a food, you know, a food hygiene sort of licence. So the code, you know, puts, you know, fairly serious sort of requirements on people who are uh, adhering to the code. It's via a, 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 a third party audit process. That's mm. an annual audit. Uh, and, and so there's obviously a lot of different sort of provisions within that code, but ostensibly it's got three, three pillars, Nick. It's got quality it's got safety and it's got sustainability and so if, so if water companies and bottled water companies want to carry that that logo they have to be able to meet and and demonstrate compliance mm. with that code and as mentioned um, sustainability now is one of sort of you know the three main pillars of that code and so you said that was annual and is that something that you sign up for or is that automatic is it an opt-in or opt-out situation yeah, no, it's definitely, Rochelle, it's um, opt-in. Um, and so um, not all um, bottled water um, that's consumed in, in Australia comes uh, comes under the code. Uh, we certainly like to promote the code as sort of, you know, best practice. Like I said, it's going over and above the minimum requirements that... Um, any 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 company can can uh, can can comply with to be able to sell uh, to be able to sell water, um, but it really sort of steps it up and it you know again it gives regard to sort of those three uh, three core pillars around quality, around safety, and around sustainability. Jeff, on that quality touch, you know, we were talking a bit earlier about transparency. You know, many people on the text line saying, "Is bottled water just water from a tap?" You know, how do we how do we understand where that water has come from when we're buying it in a bottle? Yeah, Nick. So I guess uh, one of the really other good things about um, uh, being a consumer in Australia is that we've got really good um, uh, uh, consumer laws 
here in Australia and, and obviously, uh, you know, your listeners will be very familiar with, you know, the likes of the ACCC and, and various fair, fair trading departments within various states. So uh, if, uh, I guess, um, people can be guided by what's on the label. Uh, if the label says it's spring water, um, then it must come from a, you know, from a from a groundwater, from a spring water source. Uh, if uh, if that label doesn't doesn't uh, mention um, uh, spring water, then it's reasonable to assume that that water would be um, filtered um, municipal water. Um, interestingly, though, Nick, around about seventy ish percent uh, of all the bottled water sold in Australia will be uh, spring water, and that will be on the label. So consumers can have a you know a high degree of confidence uh, mm. that uh, that if the label says spring water, it's spring water. I wonder how many of us are, because I mean, there's a text here that says, interestingly, no one that buys bottled water has rung in, but the, I think the fact is most of us either have or do buy yeah. bottled water, whether we want to or not. But I also wonder how many of us read the labels of bottled water like we read the labels of other things because it's water. So I find that fascinating. <laughs> Jeff, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. Jeff Parker is the CEO of the Australian Beverage Council. This text from Andy if you boil tap water then put it in a jug in the fridge it tastes much better this is interesting yeah. we have a complimentary drinks fridge at work lucky you by the way uh, I know how fancy is that uh, and so many people take a bottle of water even though we have taps and glasses <laughs> <laughs> in the convenience. kitchen convenience um, it is convenience. This is such an important conversation, says this text for reducing plastic and waste and our carbon footprint. I see multiple B double loads daily of spring water depart from Gordon near Ballarat on the highway and drive to Melbourne to be bottled. Multiple B doubles going each way empty and full. What the hell are we doing? Is it all about money? Maybe it's just big profits in bottled and bottled water. That's from Gordon, who's from Ballarat. I'm just going to throw in one from Brett. Sorry. Bottled water sellers don't produce water. They produce plastic bottles. The bottom of every plastic bottle should have a little black section showing how much crude oil was being used to produce that product. Brett, thank you. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Michelle Hunt with you in Melbourne. Nick Healy joining you from ABC Shepparton. We're talking bottled water. We all kind of remember, well, most of us anyhow, maybe uh-huh. younger listeners know, when it first just appeared... In supermarkets, in we service stations. Yeah. We couldn't believe it. Why on earth would anyone spend, you know, the huge amount of money, which I was joking before, was probably about 50 cents, but it was a massive amount of money back then. Why would anyone spend that money on a product that you turned on a tap and it flowed out for free? Why? And yet we continue to do it. Before we speak recycling, let's have a chat to Jane, who's in Heidelberg. Good morning, Jane. Oh, good morning. Um, yeah, it reminds me of a... a a segment on Chase's War on Everything. He got some nice glass bottles and got some labels printed up and then went round the streets of Melbourne, I think it was, or Sydney maybe, um, asking them, you know, do you drink bottled water and this is our latest one, would you like to try it? And then he was asking people how how they felt the taste was and everybody (laughs) said how nice it was and he then told them it was just tap water. (laughs) That would be Craig Rucastle, who does very, very yeah. clever stuff with war and waste. But you're right. I mean, that's the important point, Jane. This is very much a marketing thing. We're told that we need bottled water either for taste or for health or because it's got a pop top that'll make it quicker to drink, you know, solo style. And, and yet here we are. We're, we're, we're not necessarily buying it for the taste, I don't think many people might. 
I certainly never have. It's, maybe, yeah, that's right. You're buying it for the image. Dr Trevor Thornton is a lecturer on hazardous material management at Deakin University. And Trevor, you've been working within the recycling world since the 80s, pretty much around the time when we started to see bottled water marketed to us for the very first time. How did bottled water change the world of recycling? Oh, good morning, Rachel, and thanks for having me. Um, it certainly has seen over the years that there's been a, a, a dramatic increase in the amount of, uh, I guess, plastic bottles in general and also plastic water bottles that are going into uh, the recycling stream, but also people are putting them into their rubbish stream as, as well. And I think, as, as another listener um, pointed out, uh, they're often in the, uh, in the litter stream as well. So mm. we've seen dramatic increases in, in, in all those areas. And when it comes to that recycling aspect of it, I mean, we get this sense from the industry that they promote that they are very, very environmentally friendly. They're uh, making sure that everything can be recycled or is coming from recycled material. I mean, how do we, I guess, test the veracity of those claims? Yeah, it's it's a very difficult one because uh, the data in terms of, uh, uh, you know, is a plastic bottle that's a recycling facility, is it come from a a soft drink has it come from uh, some other type of product or is it a water bottle that's the sort of data that we don't uh, have a I guess a great deal of uh, satisfaction in terms of its accuracy but the data shows that there's somewhere around about uh, between I guess 10 to 30 percent of uh, plastic water bottles that are actually ending up into the recycling stream but I'll also stress just because it goes into the recycling stream doesn't mean that it actually gets recycled at the end of the day. Why wouldn't it get recycled at the end of the day? Well, it depends on whether uh, businesses are buying the uh, the plastic uh. to uh, make raw materials and, and so forth. So that's you know one of the the, uh, the long-standing issues with re- with the recycling in general. But uh, if you know, let's say a hundred percent of the uh, plastic water bottles are going into the recycling stream. 10 to 30% are only ending up in, in terms of other products uh, from the from the data that we have. That's not a lot of numbers. I mean, we were saying before, you know, transparency and knowing where the water came mm. from. Uh, you know, I, I do think broadly in Australia, we don't know a lot about what happens to something after we've popped it in the recycling bin. Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. And I think that we've got to get better at uh, uh, getting that data and then uh, uh, publishing it and letting people know what's happening. So if I'm going to the effort at home or, or, or out in the street and putting something in the recycling bin, I'd really like to know what's happening with it. And that was one of the issues with uh, you know, soft plastic, which we won't go into. Yes, but, let's uh, not stop people, that. <laughs> people, people think that the things are happening and uh, yeah. they suddenly find out and they get very disappointed and, oh, will I bother recycling again? I don't know about that sort of thing. So we, we've got to get more accuracy in the data. And how we can not only change behaviour, but how we can change how we do things. We were, our family was watching a, a, some confronting images on the news the other night about just the amount of plastic we consume and, and how uh, we manage that level of plastic waste. And we were talking about, well, it, we're so far down the track now in terms of, say, plastic milk cartons, for example. Could we ever go back to the glass milk bottles and having them delivered to your door and whatnot and thinking back to, in inverted commas, you know, the old days. But there's a text here that says, remember, we used to return glass bottles for five cents. They were reused by the manufacturing. Recycling bottles now is just nonsense. They should be able to be re- reused. Would you 
agree with this text. It's basically saying that recycling is just a greenwash. We should be reusing and we should go back to glass. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when you look at the waste management hierarchy in terms of preferred approaches, reducing and reusing is better than recycling. In fact, a lot of people are saying now refusing is the better way of going. So refuse the plastic bottles and uh, have the reusable bottles, whether the ones you've bought, you know, the aluminium ones or the uh, the other type that are out in the market that you can continually use, um, that's the way to go. Um, but, you know, looking at the data, we're, we're getting close to nearly uh, 400 million plastic bottles, water bottles being used uh, per annum in, in Australia. That's uh, an awful lot. And I think that uh, uh, one other uh, caller said that, you know, how much oil, we're using nearly about uh, a quarter of a litre of oil to produce one litre of plastic bottles. Oh, wow. They're the sorts of information that needs to go out to the consumers. And, what so was that? that? Can, can you tell us those figures decisions. again? What was it? Yeah, so it's getting close to 400 million plastic water bottles uh, being consumed in Australia per annum. And oil? And uh, and oil, it's about a quarter of a litre uh, of oil to produce a, a, wow. a litre plastic bottle. Plus there's the water and, and energy and all that sort of stuff that goes into it as well. So if we then know these sorts of things, then we can make an informed decision uh, based on environmental aspects. Yeah, they're Dr. pretty Trevis. confronting, aren't they? Yeah, Dr. Trevor Thorne, thank you for that, because that is genuinely confronting. We were trying to get some of those numbers before. That was uh, just wild. Sorry, should have said Trevor lectures on hazardous material at uh, Deakin University. We have on the line Michelle. Michelle, good morning. Hello. Hi, Michelle. Uh, what did you want to talk about this morning? Uh, yeah, look, I've just been to, like, uh, that start this year, like three different big kind of functions, two at Jess Shared and one at the Tennis Centre. It wasn't the Tennis was when Obama came, and you have when you go through the doors, they check you in, and I always take my water everywhere I go from the tap in my own bottle, and they take those bottles from you, and you can get them back at at the end, and then they huh. you can buy water there. <laughs> so <laughs> you're bottles. almost being forced into buying bottled water. You are. Well, you are completely. Wow. And they're big events as well. I sort of have this image of, you know, when you're a school teacher, when you go on school camp and they take the crate and you put your label of your name on and you put yeah. your water. That's a lot of crates that you're going to need if you're going to big events at places like the convention <laughs> centre. <laughs> Michelle, thank you. This takes outside my son's basketball stadium. They have a water station. I keep an empty bottle in the car. So if we forget to bring a water bottle, we have a plan B. Previously, this resulted in us needing to buy water because that was our only option. I I love that idea from that text of just being organised and it's a shift in thinking like with plastic bags, right? It's, it, it's just it's having, preparedness. Yeah, have something in the car. Be ready to go. My next big thing for me personally is remembering to take containers to the butchers so they're not wrapping it up in plastic for me. Now, I've been very, very bad at that and, you know, I think we're still learning that one. I, I do get a bit of a weird eye from butchers when I do remember to do it. <laughs> but I'm very comfortable yeah. with that as well. On the venue side of it, I do remember a period when bottled water started getting popular where it became incredibly hard to get tap water at venues. In fact, quite often the cold taps have been turned off and replaced with hot taps oh, to stop you no. from being able to fill up glasses or a, a water bottle you'd already bought. Um, there was a lot of, I think, personally, pretty shady behaviour in the early days. And people are messaging around not being able to get complimentary water on flights mm. now and having to buy water as well. But I've just that recently, I was lucky enough to have a holiday and fly. And for the first time in a long time, I saw 
people getting free water in plastic cups, albeit. So <laughs> they'll probably go in the bin. So I don't know. But at least the, you weren't paying for the water. Is there a win in that comment? I don't know. Murray's on the Mornington Peninsula. Good morning, Murray. Good morning. Thanks, guys. Water order everywhere and not a drop to drink. Hey, um, <laughs> I uh, work in, up in remote community and this is where the big, big difference is and we talk about the gap and the figures that have just come through. So in most remote communities, water is bore water or mineral water that comes out of the ground. It tastes terrible, so it's got to be filtered. So the community I'm involved with, on average, they drink two litres of soft drink per person per day. So as a result, we have lots of health issues. And one of the girls that just stayed with us for a few months... 24 years of age, she had nine fillings. Now, for me down here in Melbourne, if I want to fill up my glass, it's 0.007 cents a litre. Now, they are forced to buy bottled water up there because it just tastes terrible. And that's what we're talking about, the disparity. So I think it's for us down here that live amongst the... It's very different. And we, we said that right at the beginning of the program, Murray, too, that in Victoria we understand there's places, and Nick even spoke about some of the places where he's lived around Australia. We are super privileged in Victoria and, you know, we sometimes think, oh, overseas there are areas where you can't drink, but we have the same issue here in our own country where the water isn't drinkable. Some of our yeah, remote I mean, communities. I'd, I'd kill for a water fountain in uh, remote communities, for two or three fountains. I mean, the costs are ridiculous to get it there, but the savings on health would be in the positive millions, yeah. you know, to prevent heart disease, uh, kidney disease. I mean, the kids want to drink water. The adults want to drink water. But, you know, again, it's not seen, it's not heard about. The fact that I'm talking about it on radio, I'm sure there'd be many people listening going, wow, what do you I mean? I have no idea. That's right. And we talk more and more about prevention, don't we? Nick, we couldn't keep up with text people saying i do buy it i don't want to buy it sometimes i feel forced to buy it i want more information i want transparency the cost but i think for me it's just remembering when it first started thinking that will never take off <laughs> and yet here we are today the second biggest consumer of bottled water in the world and i appreciate all the calls for the more information and transparency i'm on board for that the more we have a better idea of anything we consume and where it's coming from the better decisions we can make, full stop. And when we talk about labelling and transparency in labelling, for whatever reason, I've never thought about wanting transparency on my water. Maybe it's how much oil has been used, where that water has exactly mm. come from. Are they opting in or opting out of being regulated and having that uh, information that is freely there? I, I don't think I've ever read the label of a water bottle. <laughs> Call me crazy. I just would have assumed there wasn't much to read, to be honest. I assumed it said ingredients, water. Water. <laughs> we have so much to learn. Nick Healy, as always, thank you so much. Read the labels on your bottled water. I'm off to fill my water bottle up now. I know. And how many times <laughs> a day do you need to go to the loo because of just a how lot. big your water bottle a is? Lot. Have a wonderful day. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, take care. Speak soon.